It's the List Week finale of Nostalgia. My name is Patrick Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, I mean, we've seen a ton of movies in the last two weeks to try to prepare for this. Just banging out those fractions. Trying to, to bring the people the list that they need to yes. wrap out their, their 2016 movie-going experience. That's correct. List Week finale. Very interesting year in movies, both the good and the bad. Whether it's sequels we didn't need, sequels that came too late, and sequels that just didn't do good. And then... All these other good movies we're going to talk about. So it's a very interesting year. Disney was the winner, of course. Six of the top ten highest grossing films. No surprise. Yeah. Pretty good. Definitely an, in- an interesting year. So this is the last in our three-part series uh, looking at the end of the year in TV, music, and movies. TV came out on Monday. Music came out on Wednesday. And we are now doing movies on Friday. So if you need to find those, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. We've also tweeted about it at nostalgiapod. Last week, Rogue One, spoiler cast. Yes. Moonlight review. So if you saw those over the holidays, check that out as well. And those will probably be important to listen to in order to understand our list here because we're not going to dive too deep on the ones the movies we have talked about in the past. I have a feeling both of those movies will come up on both of our lists. Correct. Why don't we start with some honorable mentions? So are there any movies that are on your list that you feel like you want to give a shout out to? Yes. Hail Caesar by the Coen brothers came out earlier in the year. Saw on an airplane. Funny movie. I was actually most excited to see it just to watch Alden Ehrenreich cook in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, Han Solo to be. And Ray Fiennes. Of course. Always Ray That's one of the best scenes. That scene is so funny. This movie is not the best Coen Brothers. I mean, they have such a great filmography that it's a tough nut to crack, but enjoyable movie, fantastic cast per usual, really like that. Also on the shout out, Star Trek Beyond came out in the summer. I made a point of seeing that in the theater by myself just because I wanted to see it in the theaters before I left. Mm-hmm. And great way to honor the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Really enjoyable movie. I like Chris Pine a lot as Kirk. Well, I talked about that a little bit on the pod before, so check that out. Interested for more. I also want to shout out both Marvel movies from this year, Captain America Civil War and Doctor Strange. Uh, We definitely reviewed these when they came out, so Mm -hmm. once again, check that out. But Civil War, really different change of pace, I think, for Marvel movies. Yes, there's, you know, a lot of beat-em-up scenes, but the heroes fighting themselves, the villain kind of being the catalyst versus just being a throwaway character was really nice to see. Obviously, Spider-Man's introduction... All the other side characters had great moments. Liked that a lot. And Doctor Strange, talked about that much more recently, really threw the origin story tropes out the window a little bit. Different Marvel movie, yeah. for sure. So both definitely towards the top for my Marvel pantheon. I think the only movie I wanted to honorable mention, uh, I wanted to Doctor Strange and, and Civil War definitely deserve to be on this list, but I think there's just movies that were a little bit better right. than them. The only one I wanted to mention was The Lobster, a movie by Yorgos Lanthanios, <laughs> Greek director. This is his first English-speaking movie. It's has Colin Grindelwald origin film, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a prequel to Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> it's a comedy starring Colin Farrell. It's a comedy? It's listed as a comedy. It's very dry. Okay. It's very interesting. The, the premise is people that are single in a society where everybody has to be married or in a relationship yeah. go to this resort and they have to pair up with somebody or they get turned into the animal of their choice and Colin Farrell chooses a lobster. So there's a lot of dry humor in it. It's really strange, right. uh, but it's, it's well shot. You and can watch it right now. 
It's yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. It's an interesting commentary on love in a weird age of right. I want to see it. Meeting I, people. I heard about it when it came out. So definitely check that out. Why don't we kick it off though? So you're gonna shout out any of the DC masterpieces from this year? Oh, that's right. Well, I, I wanted to save those because they're actually the top two on my list. <laughs> Batman vs Superman right. and Suicide Squad will be on my list, so we'll talk about them when they get here. Before we start, we just want to say we might have some spoilers. If we do, we'll try to give you a heads up, but we're going to try to do this as spoiler-free as possible. So Dave, what's number 10 on your list? Number 10 on my list, movie I saw recently, a common theme of this list, as you will see, movie I saw recently, is Hell or High Water with Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges. I'm not going to say it's a amazing film but it's getting amazing reviews it has like a 98 in Rotten Tomatoes on multiple wow. year-end lists I don't want to go that far but I also don't really have anything bad to say about it it's just a really good movie start to finish it's about the brothers right yep two brothers Pine and Foster and they basically become bank robbers to save their deceased mother's ranch from being foreclosed by the bank because the bank was ripping them off they found oil it's pretty solid Jeff Bridges is the about to retire police chief who starts to hunt them down. Really good movie. The pacing is really strong. And of course, those are all good actors. So really like that one. I've heard good things about that. I think that's definitely a movie I want to check out. Why don't we kick off my list? I have Deadpool, number 10. Right. Just missed my list. You know, it's an interesting year for superhero movies definitely. in general. You know, you said Civil War took a different turn for the Captain America and just the Avenger movies in general. Deadpool was a superhero movie unlike any that we'd really seen. For it sure. brought a lot of wit, a lot of humor into it. Really violent and very gory. Rated and, R. Yeah. It's really a, the first one. And it still did really well. This century. And Ryan Reynolds... Come back per- for him. Yeah, perfect for that role. A hit uh, for Fox. They needed it because X-Men Apocalypse, unfortunately, uh, was polarizing. Yeah, it's a fun movie and I think... It, even if you, you aren't really into superhero movies, if for some reason you right. don't like Marvel or DC, this is still a movie that oh, absolutely. you can see and enjoy. Like if you wanted to pick like a mix and match of superhero movies to try and get someone in the genre, this has to be on the list. Assuming they can handle the gore and the sex jokes. I got that coming at number 10. All right, what do you got at number 9, Dave? Number 9, I have The Jungle Book. Ah, I also have Jungle Book at number 9. Oh, nice. For mine. For mine. Came out in April. Directed by John Favreau. Yes. Why is that so weird? Favreau. Favreau, right? yeah. Why did I say Favreau? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came out back in April. Neil Sethai was the only human. The stars. Well, I guess there were other humans that you saw in the village. You, didn't see, you didn't see him, did you? You see him from a distance, right? I think. Yeah. Maybe. Like running into the village. Spoiler. You know how the Jungle Book goes. There's also spoilers for the Jungle Book. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know the story, you're at the wrong podcast. 40 years back <laughs> at this point. Beautiful we, film. Yeah, Amazing we talked a lot visuals. about it. It's great. I was nervous it wasn't going to come out. Right. Well, but yeah. it was wonderful. The voice acting was great. Bill Murray, Idris Elba, Ben Kingsley all killed it. If you like the original, definitely go see this. Yeah, this is superb in there. It actually really puts the pressure on the Jungle Book Origins film from Andy yeah. Serkis, which also has a stellar cast that I think comes mm-hmm. out end of next year, so we'll see how that goes. But, Cumberbatch! But Disney, we talked about this recently, but Disney, their live remakes of classics, they're all hits. Yeah. And Beauty and the Beast, can't fucking wait. Absolutely. What do you got next? Number eight, another airplane movie for me. I may have seen this on the same flight as... Andy Greenwald wannabe over here. No, I saw this on the return flight from when I saw Hail Caesar. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ah, interesting. It's better than the real Cloverfield. John Goodman's killing it. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is awesome. She'll be in Fargo season three, which is great. I can't really talk about it too much for being really spoilery, but it's a suspenseful movie, and it's all about the characters. And it's really strong. Well, you can't in March, so that's one of the 
movies you may have missed, but definitely check it out. And it's interesting because J.J. Abrams recently announced that movie they're making right now called God Particle is also Cloverfield related. Hmm. If you remember, 10 Cloverfield Lane came out only uh, like a month or two after it was even announced. So they've been doing this like ghost semi-universe thing and interesting thing to follow. But definitely check out 10 Cloverfield Lane even if you didn't like or didn't even see Cloverfield. Fantastic film. I haven't seen it yet, but I can only imagine John Goodman. I think he does going from being like a normal character to being like evil really well. Yep. Where it just kind of like burns slowly into like this madman. That's right. So I can imagine in this movie, if that's his role, he probably is fantastic. And of course, that. John Gallagher. Oh, from, of course. From the newsroom. Of course. I think he he's the uh, third Gallagher brother in Oasis, right? Yeah, correct. All right. My number eight is a movie we actually saw very recently, Manchester by the Sea. Ooh, not on my list. So, why don't we start there? Why didn't you have it on your list? It's on every, it's on the top of everybody's list this year. Well, what didn't you like about it? No, I, I think it's really well done, but I don't think it challenged me. So, mm. I think the only thing it did for me was just make me sad and depressed. Wow. So, it's not that I disliked it. I just, I don't know if I see, like, the great merits in it. Casey Affleck, great acting. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole subplot with uh, Lucas Hedges, the, the kids' yeah. romantic advances was hilarious. <laughs> and to the movie's credit, there were... A, Several funny lines, or like great comedic timing, Oh yeah, which was expertly placed in a movie that had many depressing moments. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, it's not that I have any bad say about the movie, I just don't think it will resonate with me the same way the rest of the list does. It's interesting. I think what stood out to me, and left me really thinking about this movie a lot the next day, is the fact that this is really a movie about mental health, and being able to move on with your life, and sometimes not being able to move on mm-hmm. with your life. I think watching, there were a lot of moments where, you know, I started to tear up, started to really feel a pit in my stomach. You know, the scene where Casey Affleck is being interviewed at the police station right after uh, a major yeah. event happens. Didn't see that event coming, by the way. No, That's not heavy at all. shit. And then kind of just seeing him slowly realize he's not getting in trouble for it and try to do something about it to kind of punish himself yeah. was really powerful. And it, I think the way that that shot and, and how realistic that is to the way people deal with trauma right. is really real. I also think it's it's interesting. It has a very open-ended ending. and mm-hmm. That's correct. I almost felt like, where's the rest of the movie when it ended? But yeah. in a way... I kind of like that because... I don't know how much of the... Like, how much plot is in that movie? Like, what even happens in that movie, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't know how right. interesting it is to watch. It's almost two stories in one. It's like, I say, it's a story about Lee, Casey Affleck's character, right. becoming who he is, and then how he becomes... How he deals with another event because of who he is. So it's almost these two adjacent stories. I think what makes this movie great is that it did challenge me to accept that sometimes movies don't need to wrap up the way I want them to. This movie almost had no kind of wrap up, which I no. think is actually probably the most challenging part. Was I was like, wow, that was really unsatisfying. But that's also life. It's very unsatisfying, and a lot of times it's about dealing with things that don't end up the way you want them to. Beautifully shot, just great acting. Lucas Hedges was awesome. So, yeah, um, Moonrise Kingdom alum. Yeah, check out Manchester by the Sea. I, I recommend it. Dave does not. I don't think it challenged me at all. Interesting. I think Moonlight challenged me way more. I just think this movie was sad. 12 Years a Slave, Best Picture winner, that's a sad-ass hell movie. But that also is challenging. Now, that also has resolution, because that's based off a true story, so it's not apples to apples, but I don't know. Manchester by the Sea, not, not what I expected. It's just, I guess it just, just missed, missed with me a little bit. Not despite all, gonna hit despite all its, you know, combinations. Dave, it's not your fault. It's okay. It's not your fault. 
What do you got next on your list? Zootopia. Also a airplane movie. I was gonna shout it out, but I figured you probably had it on your list. Yeah. It was it was good. Yeah, yeah I, I really like it. it. The uh, real world themes, sometimes on the nose, sometimes not, and it's just really enjoyable. Better than Finding Dory. Better than Secret Life of Pets. Haven't even seen those, but I already know. <laughs> Better than Moana. Don't know about that. Probably is. Definitely is. Where Zootopia would... was undeniable movie this year. It was really good. Where, where would you rank it in in regards to other movies in this genre? Oh, I think it's the best animated movie in many years. Wow. Because what is, I mean, Pixar obviously is the go-to mm-hmm. for that standard. And what have they had most recently? Is it the best animated movie since Toy Story 3? I think that's close. I would probably say Inside Out. Inside Out. I haven't seen that, so I don't have that. But, yeah, I, I mean, you can make an argument for it, absolutely. Right. I mean, I'm trying to think, what are, there some, what are some other animated movies that... You know, I mean, really Pixar, they're really going for next year with Cars 3. You know, Cars 3? Three Cars movies too many, but <laughs> hey. Owen oh, Wilson, keep getting them checks. McQueen! You're actually good for Owen Wilson, because yeah. he, he's not, like, acting much. He's really not. At all, actually. Uh, yeah, I can't remember Neither the last Luke Wilson. I saw him in. Luke Wilson was never really no. working a lot. Just when he was hanging out with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, pretty Which much. was also what Owen Wilson did, so <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> I, and he's not really acting that much either. No. So. With Vince Vaughn? Yeah, he was in uh, what? Yeah, Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. Which is supposed to be great. I haven't seen it yet. Really? Yeah. Mel, Mel Gibson movies, man. I know. I, was, I actually movies. didn't think the trailer looked, looked that promising, but I'm way off apparently. My number, what was it? Number six? Number seven? Seven. Number seven, a Midnight Special. It's uh, my number five. So it, it's right around the same range for us. Yeah, so Midnight Special directed by Jeff Nichols. We talked a lot about it. Many um, months ago, though, at SoundCloud.com, so that's now Stodge Pod. You might have missed it. So, Pat, why'd you like it so much? I, I think what, what really resonates with me, almost, what, nine months later? We saw this back in... Also, like, April-ish. Yeah, so maybe Spring. only, like, Spring eight, time. like, eight months or so. Michael Shannon in this movie is pretty unstoppable. He doesn't talk a lot, but he kind of steals every scene he's in. And Joel Edgerton is just fantastic. Yeah, Joel Edgerton need, needs needs more. Yeah. I, uh, loving his movie with Ruth Neviga, Oscar contender this year. Would like to see that at some point. But yeah, shout out Joel Edgerton. Yeah. He's come a long way. And then I think just the overall premise of it, it's sci-fi, but it's not like too sci-fi. It's E.T. sci-fi. Yeah. But it, it, before exactly. Stranger Things came out, this was the homage that everyone was talking about. This was Stranger Things before Stranger Things was cool. Correct. This is like the hipster Stranger yeah. Things. Of Get the, with it, people. Of 2016. Plus Adam, I mean, it can't be that hipster. Adam yeah. Driver. Actually, Adam Driver was in it, therefore it's very hipster, right? Yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> there's also that, like, there's that scene where Adam Driver's talking to the kid, yeah. and it's like that, that's like the famous shot from the movie, right? Where the right. kid's like standing up, but he's looking on the screen, he sees him sitting. Yep. And there's just so many moments like that in that movie that make yeah. it fantastic. Even if you've seen it at the end, it's like, Maybe not the best special effects, or I thought it was fine. I, I thought it was okay for what it was, but I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was a good story too, and the action scenes in it were pretty badass as well. So I really liked a lot of, of Midnight Special. Really smart sci-fi, like Arrival, which we'll get to. So that was my number seven, six, seven, seven. I'm lost in my list here. What do you have? Next on your list, number six movie I saw only a few hours ago. Only a few hours ago. Sing Street. Oh, Sing Street. This movie's so good. Tell me more, Dave. Sing Street's on Netflix. came out earlier in the year, so definitely go check it out. It's very simply a movie set in 1985 in Ireland about this kid who starts a band to get the girl. To get the girl, huh? Never heard this story before. You'd think that. But this movie is is fantastic. I loved it. And the musical number, about two-thirds of the way through, I have since YouTubed that song many times today. Dave, didn't you see this like an hour ago? 
How many, how many times could you have listened to this song? Since I've been listening to this song probably seven times today. Wow, that's a lot. Twice on the way here. A few times while I was packing up to get here to the studio, of course, remote location, mm-hmm. somewhere in New York. But yeah, I absolutely recommend this. There's a really funny quote, too, when he finds out the girl he likes has a, a boyfriend, or so he seems. He tells his older brother, played by Jack Rayner, and he's like, yeah, he, like, he looked really cool. He's driving a car, blasting music as he walked away. And his brother's like, oh, what was he listening to? And he was like, uh, Genesis. And he's like, oh, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, he's not cool. <laughs> no woman can truly love a man who listens to Phil Collins. Hmm, interesting. Phil Collins, actually, his song, Take Me Home, got a great scene on Mr. Robot in the first episode this year. And that, that scene always sticks, stands out to mm. me when they're burning the money in the middle yes. of New York City and... Yeah, that song's playing in the background. So shout out Phil Collins, because I think he sometimes gives a bad rap. But Genesis, Shout out Francis and the Lights. <laughs> yeah, Francis and the Lights all the way. <laughs> Genesis, uh, right. Yeah. Anyways, but it sounds like this movie's really interesting. Any any known actors in this movie? The guy who plays Littlefinger in Game of Thrones mm. has a pretty small role as the kid's dad. His parents are done. Like, the marriage is over, and they're splitting up. So to save money, they send the kid to this new school called Sing Street. It's really tough. There's, like, no rules, basically. And the kid starts to form the band because he's a girl over there he tries to talk to her he lies he's a band he's like okay now i gotta form this band and he he starts making friends and basically how he becomes a songwriter and expresses himself mm-hmm. and then as the love story follows suit it's just a really strong film maybe his first likable role the guy who plays little finger oh no no i mean he's kind of a shitty dad like oh okay so not his first likable role uh, actually i guess he's not as shitty as the mom so oh okay whatever so he he's not as shitty man i think uh what's that, his name not, not ian glenn so, aiden gillen i think actually he did have one likable role in the dark knight rises when he like confronts bane on the plane in the oh very yes beginning. in the beginning yeah he's pretty likable. shout out ben Mendelssohn. also he dies pretty quickly yeah we, we talked about that last week at our rogue one spoiler cast so my number six, kind of jumping off, is a movie that didn't get a lot of shine this year. It's at 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, Don't Think Twice, Ooh. directed by Mike Birbiglia. He's also a, a co-star in this. Keegan-Michael Key and Jillian Jacobs are the stars. It's really a movie about an improv group in New York City trying to make it big and get noticed by SNL. They, they don't use the name SNL in this. I forgot what the name of the bigger show is. Right. And kind of how Michael, Keegan-Michael Key moves in on to this and Jillian Jacobs doesn't want to and how their relationship in it uh, is affected. It's a really uh, interesting movie and there, there's a pretty heartbreaking scene. And I think just a, a theme. I see a lot of similar themes to La La Land, whereas there's a central love story to it, you know, moving apart for different reasons, having to follow their own paths. But the the, the scene at the end between Keegan-Michael Mike, Keegan Key and Jillian Jacobs is really powerful and, and, and moving. Um, so check out Don't Think Twice. It, it's also not, I don't think it was a very long movie. It might have been like an hour 40, something mm-hmm. like that. That's what Sing Street is, hour 40. It's a fun watch. There's a lot of comedy in it, but also a lot of dramatic scenes for sure. Friend of the podcast, Sean McKenna, really liked this movie. So I, I think it would be at the top of his end of your list, probably. Ooh. Number five for me, I'm wondering where you have this on your list, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. We talked a lot about this last week, so we won't spend too much time, but where did you have it on your list? Number one. Correct. No way. Yeah. You had that above La La Land and Moonlight and I, Arrival? I liked it more than all those movies. Wow. That's, I'm really surprised by that. No, I, I have a take for La La Land in a minute. Don't worry. It's coming. Don't worry. That, that, that's how you tease the, the rest of the pod right there. I, I got a take for you. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think just to kind of summarize Rogue One, you know, it has, it's not a perfect movie. It has some gripes, 
you might say. Some people might say the characters weren't likable or you weren't able to connect, to connect with them. Basic blockbuster critiques. Yeah, I, th- I think it does what it needs to do in order to be a prequel and uh, to uh, A New Hope. Also, just the last act alone is, I think, maybe some of the best 40 minutes of filmmaking of the year if yeah. that's how long it was so <laughs> i would say that that was I mean, my favorite that was my favorite 40 minutes of the year it, it puts me none. yeah it puts me top five it's top five on this list maybe just for the, that last 40 minutes plus i thought the rest of the movie was still pretty good so if you want to hear more of our thoughts check out soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod oh yeah what was your number five midnight special tell me tell me a little bit about what you thought what made midnight special special basically it's a stranger things critique yeah. that it's a smart retro take on a sci-fi film great acting obviously helps with that a lot i think the way they tell the story doesn't go where you think it's gonna go mm-hmm. and it's smart because it's really not about the ending yeah it's, it's about you know it's about the journey mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about the journey so yeah again like a rival really smart sci-fi made a special particular awesome throwback vibe in terms of how they made the movie so what do you got number four number four for me moonlight moonlight i had that number two on my list why don't we uh, talk a little bit about that? We talked about this, obviously, last week. What puts Moonlight this high on your list? Yeah, well, I was really considering putting Moonlight above La La Land. I almost had La La Land here at four. Mm-hmm. It's tough because I was thinking about Moonlight, La La Land, and Manchester by the Sea. And if I wanted to be super productive, what I would say, Manchester by the Sea made me sad. La La Land made me happy and was just a great experience. And Moonlight was really challenging to watch. It actually challenged me as a viewer. Manchester by the Sea, I think, was just sad. But Moonlight is the movie I've thought about the most since I've seen it. What did you find challenging? Because it's, and we, you know, we talked about the review last week, but because it's about the character finding itself, it's about vulnerability and like really personal themes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so challenging about it is you know, how you see that unfold. There's really nothing challenging about La La Land. It's just a superb experience front to back, mm-hmm. you know, really enjoyable to watch. And Manchester by the Sea, at least for me, didn't really resonate with me in that regard. Nothing really against, you know, Lee or anything, but I just think that Chiron, like, watching him grow up in the movie, which I think is also a big help that you see him in as a teen, a kid, and then sure. an adult. The personal nature of the film, and then how that really culminates in the end. Yeah. Which is, you know, this is not Rogue One's final battle. This is not a dreamy dance number in La La Land. It's just conversation with his old friend. And yeah. it's just, you can't take your eyes off it. I think what 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 puts Moonlight number two on my list, I do think it's challenging. I think what I find challenging about it is the subject matter just in general. You know, it's looking at a population yep, that's that, sure. that doesn't get nearly enough shine in pretty much any form of culture. Right. And looking at an, an issue of, of, of intimacy, of sexuality, uh, being who you are, and, you know, kind of wrestling with fitting in while also being totally in, unique and different than everybody right. else. It's um, not just a movie with a black experience. It's yeah. also the sexuality aspect to it. And it's it also, very unique in that regard. It also takes a lot of tropes about black men and also poor communities. Like it takes... Um, and gay men. Yeah. Tropes as well. And, and it kind of flips them on their head. You see Maharasha Ali and the role that he plays in the first act yep. and how that influences the way that Chiron develops as a human being into the third act. And how he's so different than Maharaja Ali, but also trying to be so much like him, because that's the only kind of father figure he has, but mm-hmm. he's conflicting father figure for him in a lot of ways. Right. So I think it's just brilliantly written, brilliantly done, well yeah. thought out, and it is challenging, and I think 
it's such a minimalist movie too. Yeah, it's you know, really powerful. You, none of the sets are you know spectacular or really stand no. out. It's completely character driven, completely mm-hmm. driven by the script. That's what yeah. makes it so special. It's a pretty perfect movie in a lot of ways. I think obviously perfect movie is stupid thing to say, but if there was a perfect movie on my list, Moonlight's probably the closest. Yeah, it's it's really good. And thanks for for saying that my comment was stupid. So appreciate that. Number four on my list, The Nice Guys. Haven't seen it yet. Shane Black. Yeah, the director. The, this is a really fun film. I mean, it's not a perfect movie in any sense. It's not Moonlight. <laughs> but, so it stars Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Uh, it's pretty much a 70s cop movie. Buddy cop. Yeah, buddy cop movie in a way. You know, they're two down-on-their-luck dudes who get this case together and try to figure it out. Um, also about kind of two guys who are dealing with a lot of issues on their own, kind of coming together and... and dealing with things in their own ways Mm -hmm. and it's just a lot of fun gosling i mean we're gonna talk about la la land obviously coming up but gosling is so charming in this and he takes this really depressed and pretty much alcoholic dude and makes him very likable and i'm gonna assume from the trailers that he has more to do as an actor in nice guys than he does in la la land yeah probably i think la la land he's pretty by the book but I think he does a lot with that by the book, and we'll we'll, we'll get yeah. into that. But yeah, he has, he has a ton to do in this movie, and it, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I, I think if there's one movie going experience I came out of, probably other than Rogue One, that I was like, wow, that's a lot of fun. Maybe Deadpool is above this, but Nice Guys is right up there with those ones. So it's a movie that didn't get nearly enough recognition this year. I recommend definitely go see it. On my list for sure. Post top. Number three. What did you have? La La Land. La La Land. All right, I had that as my number one. Number three. I'm guessing this is. Number two for you then, Arrival? Correct. So, Dennis Villeneuve. 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 Whatever. <laughs> He's going to be directing Blade Runner 2049. He directed Sicario, and I can't really imagine... And Prisoners. I can't imagine those... I mean, Sicario I didn't think was better than Arrival. I can't imagine Blade Runner being better than Arrival. This movie was really, really good. Right. We talked a lot about it on a past pod, but yep. I guess what, what puts it this high on the list for you? Because it's actually not a sci-fi movie at all Mm. it just has sci-fi window dressing and that's what makes it so awesome every sci-fi trope imaginable that you can think of for aliens coming to earth and having a first contact none of them are even close it actually it actually pretty much fights those tropes throughout the movie like it's pretty much actively fighting those. plus the non-linearity of the story and the fact that that hits and is done well is also a big plus yeah i think in a way, even thinking about it now, when you find out kind of what's really going on in the movie by right. the end, it really flips the whole movie on, on your head. And I'm still like trying to grasp I'd it. I'd actually like to rewatch it again knowing what we know now know. Yeah. You see Amy Adams in a completely different way, and she, she's just fantastic in this movie. Yep. I mean, she's been a, a pretty premier actress in Hollywood for a while now, but she is just amazing in this movie. I, I thought, And I, we, we, I didn't see... Uh, Nocturnal Animals, but I hear that she also kills it. Yes, I like too. to see that, too. So we'll hopefully be talking about that at a later date. Number two is Moonlight for me. What's number two for you? Oh, was Arrival, right? Yep. So then number one, La La Land for me. Number three for you. This was probably my favorite movie-going experience in a long time. It's awesome because it just immediately like, throws you back to the 50s. You know, like the way the movie is made, it has that awesome 50s filmmaking vibe. Singing in the Rain meets Casablanca. Yeah, exactly. I think um, it's the best way to put it. Directed by Damien Chazelle, who made mm-hmm. Whiplash. Right. It, this was really supposed to be Miles Teller and Emma Watson. Correct. Right? I think it was contractual reasons ended up being Gosling right. and Emma Stone, which right. I thank God it was, because I feel like they were perfect for these roles. 
yeah, they did a really good job. Same with that a lot because I wasn't necessarily impressed with Gosling's acting, but I think it's his natural charm, just the way he's like, yeah, he his, just, his stage presence is why he was a better choice than Miles Teller. He just got to be I think Gosling. Ma- I think Miles Teller could have easily done the role, but because the, the vibe that Gosling always brings, I think mm-hmm. fit the movie better. Yeah. I really liked it, but I think it's it's really good because of the script and because of the directing. I think Gosling and Emma Stone kind of just coasted through the movie. It's those little moments, like when he goes to pick her up at her parents' house, and he doesn't think she's coming out, and he the starts horn. to drive away. Oh, oh well, well, the oh, horn yeah. in general. <laughs> it's just a funny running joke throughout the movie, but he starts to drive away, and she's right there. Right. And just the way Gosling plays that off, he's just perfect, I think, for this role, because he can take those little moments and make them so charming and likable and right. fun. Yeah, it's just um, the strength of him as an actor in general. Emma Stone, I thought, was wonderful in this movie. You know, I think about the scenes that that really stand out to me with her, and it's like after her play, it doesn't go the way that she hopes it does, and she's kind of sitting in the back, and the way that you kind of just see, like, the anguish and, and the sadness on her face when she hears people kind of playing it down, and then she confronts Ryan Gosling afterwards. Mm-hmm. I thought she did, she did really well with that. But this is, I think like you said, they didn't need to really do too much in order for this to be an awesome yeah. movie. Right. Like, like, I, like I said, I assume Gosling did more acting in Nice Guys, mm-hmm. and I would say that Emma Stone did more acting in Birdman. Mm-hmm. You mock Twitter. Great line. Good gif. Yeah, I think they just kind of, they coasted through on the strength of the script, the strength of Chazelle, because you can tell this movie is, is very well directed. You can obviously see the touch. Oh, yeah. It's uh, beautiful. Yeah. I, the colors in this movie are so vibrant. And I think vibrant is the word that came to me throughout this whole movie. It was, it was just... It kind of just jumped off the screen and really yeah. captured you. I thought also the, the ending scene was really, really powerful, where it's kind of years later, they, they're reconnecting in, in a way, and the way that it kind of pulls that through and looks at what could have been mm-hmm. or what, what should have been even, I thought that was really relatable to, right. to people because everybody in some sense has that kind of feeling of oh, what, what could have been if things had been different. Sure. There's an interesting through line with... Damien Chazelle's last two movies, Whiplash and La La Land, just because the way he portrays women and how they relate to art is very interesting. Because if you remember Whiplash, Miles Teller basically dumps this girl he likes a lot to focus on the music. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't want to say much more about La La Land, but it's kind of obvious things were going to work out. And there's a few pieces about there about Chazelle and how he portrays women. It's very interesting. I don't think it's an indictment on either film. I think it's just... I just hope it's not a pattern in his next movie. Just like, the, like them getting in the way. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of funny, though, because I think it kind of said people can get in the way of dreams no matter what. I thought there was a similar thing. Although, now that I'm kind of talking this out, I guess if you looked at it from the lens of Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, you know, towards Ryan Gosling, he was the one that propelled her to make the decision that ultimately was best for her whereas Mm -hmm. she wasn't even sure what she wanted to do so i mean this was really a story about two people finding each other at the exact right time how other people sometimes believe in you more than you believe in yourself and that's what you need yeah this was just so much fun i left the movie theater with like a big smile on my face and i'll definitely i think this will win best picture yeah it's interesting probably this or moonlight yeah and uh, it it really depends on what you're what you're awarding you know and how in terms of what you pick I just think with with the ties to L.A. and kind of the the nod to old school Hollywood throughout, um, I think it's gonna. I, I think it will be this La La Land pretty easily. Yeah. But we'll be talking Not about sure that yet. on upcoming upcoming pods. We don't need to do that now. That's it, dude. That's our lists. Yeah. I mean, you had Rogue One. I had La La Land. 
Rogue One, best movie of the year. Oh, uh, Suicide Squad, consensus number one for us. We decided not to, just not even to talk about it because right. it was so good. So, right. So, such a high bar. There um, are a lot of other movies that are out, or about to be out, or limited release that I haven't seen. Ben Affleck, Live by Night, I want to check that out. Because there's an interesting story about that, because that's the first movie that Affleck got to make through Warner, on, on like the agreement that he would be Batman if they would let him make some movies he wanted to make. Mm. This is one of those movies. Hidden Figures would be great. Fences, I really want to see that for Viola Davis right. and Denzel. Then Silence, which isn't in wide release until January, January 6th. We'll definitely talk about that later. I also want to see Green Room. I heard a lot of really good I'm not going to see Green Room because I don't like getting scared. But <laughs> I don't like that, that is one of this. Also, The Witch <laughs> is supposed to be a really good original horror movie. And, and Hush, too, right? Hush is another horror movie. Uh, don't Breathe. Uh, don't Breathe is yeah. what it was. Don't Breathe. Actually, you know what else? In terms of things coming back and reboots, one of the strongest ones that didn't get a, enough box office love is Pete's Dragon. Supposed to be really good. Hmm. I never even watched the original one. I think it came out. Yeah, me neither. It came out in August. Patterson with Adam Driver. Adam Driver. The I'd guy. Like, like to see that at some point. Kylo Ren, baby, next year. Yeah, Can't wait. It's actually interesting. You had a you had a tweet, and I thought about this too, with Carrie Fisher's passing, how that will affect the Star right. Wars movies. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week on the podcast. In the meantime, tweet at us your favorite movies of the year at Martin Swagger at Sheeny World Peace. Drop the O. Uh, shout out Meta World Peace at Nostalgia Pod. Tell us your favorite movies, your favorite songs, albums, and television shows. Yeah, share us with a friend. Give us a review and a rating on iTunes. It does help. It does. And uh, we hope you have a a nice new year, and we look forward to bringing you some more content, uh, hopefully in other forms, in the new year. Oh, yeah. So uh, stay tuned for maybe some some cool developments for Nostalgia. There's AV. We've been doing the A. So we got to move into that V. AV. Anyways. Listen to Run the Jewels 3 in time for next week. That was... Sneak preview. I can't wait to talk about that. I have, I have a tweet that I'll share next week. Also, listen to that very awesome Chance and Jeremiah. Yeah. Christmas mixtape. That was awesome. Both unexpected musical projects that you need to listen to. So, until next time, have a happy new year, be safe, and we out. All my days, I pray.